Cinebuds receives support from Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. This is Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. This is Dory Zori from Radio Milwaukee. And this is Cinebuds. This week on Cinebuds, we are dipping into award-nominated movies. That's right. We, and this week, we are going to talk about Jeffrey Wright, one of my favorites. Oh, my goodness. Can he do anything badly? No. No. Uh, he can not succeed badly. <laughs> Is that complicated? Is that a thing? No. Uh, We are talking about the film American Fiction. Monk, your books are good, but they're not popular. Editors, they want a black book. They have a black book. I'm black, and it's my book. You know what I mean. Look at what they published. Look at what they expect us to write. I just want to rub their noses in it. <laughs> I'd be standing outside in the night. Deadbeat dads, rappers, crack. You said you wanted black stuff. That's black, right? American fiction uh, is Jeffrey Wright playing a writer that's kind of stalled out and he sees success from other people doing something he finds kind of exploitative. Right, which is writing about the black experience from a very stereotypical yeah. way. Yeah. And he as a as a joke essentially as some sort of a protest does his version of it that ends up being very successful and that's where the satire comes in. Oh my gosh, I found this movie <laughs> to be incredibly funny and smart and also gave me cringe-worthy moments oh, for sure. because they were so spot on with the satire and man, what happens when a practical joke goes very very wrong? <laughs> very very far with a lot of money at stake. But you also have that you also have a family story that's going on at the same time. And I'm going to say something weird. I think this movie had holdover vibes for me. Ooh. Like I l- I've had very similar feelings about the two films. So I'll talk more about that in the podcast, but I thought I never thought I'd compare the two. Interpersonal relationships. I mean, you can find them in some of the best films. That's so true. It's <laughs> so true. So we will talk about the film within the film, what we loved about this yeah. movie, maybe what we didn't love about this movie, although I have a feeling by the look on your face, that's going to be the shortest section yeah, be of a the tiny podcast. section. Uh, I was not cast in it. That was one I was not happy about. You, so you lost your moment to meet I, I Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, I just wanted mm-hmm. to meet Jeffrey Wright. He's honestly, I want to talk about him a little bit in the podcast too, because I just, I really love some of the stuff he's done. Stick around and we'll be right back. Hey, Wisconsin foodies. This is Tariq Moody of Radio Milwaukee. Join Milwaukee Magazine's food writer, Ann Christensen, and myself every Friday morning at 8 a.m. for This Bites, Milwaukee's longest-running culinary podcast. We talk about everything from new restaurants, pop-ups, cookbooks, events, and even an occasional interview with the local chef. Head over to RadioMilwaukee.org slash This Bites or listen anywhere you get your podcasts. So do we begin by talking, before we get into your love of Jeffrey Wright, sure. um, I just wanted to build a little bit more yeah. for you. Can we talk about Cord Jefferson? Now he's written some cool stuff, 
but this is his directorial debut and oh my goodness so he wrote for like master of none i really like that show oh yeah i love that show Zanzari, the good place which i never watched that's a very funny show Mm -hmm. i was actually surprised because it hasn't had a look of one of those like sitcoms i thought would just be silly loved it really really good i gotta go back and watch that but i didn't know he did all these things that's yeah but his first time directing killed it I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's very surprising to hear that, to be honest with you, because I don't think I looked him up before I started, which is very responsible of me. But i um, genuinely surprised because I thought the film was spot on. And if you saw the film, there's a there's kind of a cool way. So there's a lot of films about uh, writers that are struggling and different ways to show that. And one of the coolest things they did in this film, and I think this was part of the director's decision and, and how he wrote it, was um, to have like the parts of the characters played out like right in front of him when he's sitting behind a typewriter yeah i really enjoyed he's writing his story and then you see the characters in front of him and one of them is the icon keith david if you don't know keith david he's one of the best i mean you'll know him from um the animated series Gargoyles. Oh, okay. He plays uh, Brooklyn, and he's the main gargoyle. <laughs> of course, he's you know just this. got one of the best voices in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He was in. Um, he was in, he's been in a lot of horror films. He was in uh, uh, They Live, mm-hmm. uh, and the one that we did a couple of years ago. And I always want to say them, us, not it. It's with Kurt Who? Russell. And they're in the snowy captive area. Oh, goodness. This is, guys, don't ever age (laughs) to the point where your brain just stops working. I would like to think people that are listening right now are just shouting movies. The thing. That's what they're shouting. The thing. (laughs) Anyway, I just love that Keith David had that cameo there. He's he's one of my favorites. So back to Jeffrey Wright. What a great character. And he's, man, he is so good in different movies. Like, I kind of don't recognize him and he doesn't have like a super bizarre unique face but like i think he just slides into all these roles that I know he's a handsome man he's so like, handsome i the thing is he doesn't have a lot of starring roles in his film mm-hmm. his filmography which i am so surprised by because he's got a very handsome face he's yeah. got a great voice he's a great actor but there's been a handful of of films that he starred in, but he's a, always plays a solid supporting role. But of course, the thing that, especially Basquiat came out at an age where it affected me. Like I was in my, like, I don't know, mid to late twenties. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I watched it. <laughs> and then afterwards I felt moody. Yeah. Like I wanted to be like, Oh, the moody. I'm not, I'm like a goof, but watching it, he just was so captivating in that movie. It's still one of my favorites to this day. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's where we first saw him. Yeah, isn't that Super crazy? young Jeff. So uh, that's where your love started. Let's talk yeah. about him in this movie as this um, author who really just wants like that next American novel, right? He yeah, wants he's like the fame a of- real author. Like he's the kind that's not going to be on the necessarily on the bestseller list. Mm-hmm. He's the kind that's writing smart, interesting stuff. And this was the this was the half. So that movie has like two sections, really not sections, but like themes. One is this family drama and comedy mm-hmm. with some great characters, and then the other one is a satire of the publishing world and what people want, what drives people, and and uh, it's a great lampoon of like 
the white liberal who <laughs> who's very supportive but maybe a bit misguided. Right. There's some great bits in there. But the the satire of the publishing world is where they talk about, well, what people want is this. Mm-hmm. What they think they like is this. And you hear him talk about it in a fun way. I love that part. As a reader. I was going to say, as a big fan of reading books. Yeah. And a bit of like, I feel like I'm on Jeffrey Wright's side all the time because I feel like I'm a bit, I'm very of the, like, I like, you like something, I'm glad you like it. With movies especially. Yeah, like love what you love. You're not (laughs) going to yuck it. Love what you love. Not going to yuck your yum. Mm -hmm. I get a little bit snobby about books. Yeah, I'll be and it's mostly just for me. Like, no, I don't think I want to read that. That's not for me. That kind of thing. If everybody else likes it, great. But I, yeah, I get a little snobby about books. <laughs> this um, film is actually based loosely off of a book. Did it you? is? Yeah, Erasure uh, by Percival Everett. Yeah, which a great name. That is a great name. That is on my must-read book list. And yeah. also, I guess there were a lot of Ellison authors that kind of inspired this character. One, Ralph, Ralph Ellison, Ellison, who wrote Invisible Man, which yeah. I've never read. So that's also now on my read list. That's a very good book. So that's thank a, you, movie. Book, yeah. That's but, wonderful. Yeah, and then it, I love his name. His name is Thelonious Monk Ellison, which mm-hmm. is just references galore. It goes by Monk. I love that. Tracy Ellis Ross. I was excited yeah. to see her name on the bill. She plays Lisa Ellison, his sister, who is uh, a pretty cool character. I like their brother-sister dynamic. They had great banter, mm-hmm. and that was really nice. There's some great people in here. Issa Rae plays... Uh, Another author oh, in it. Who, who had the best name ever. Oh, what was her name in it? Sinatra Golden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is, that's not a writer's name. I don't know what is, but yeah. She's the one that has the book that he feels is just pandering to that audience and not very real. Right, because she comes from a middle class family and right. she's writing about... Um, a much different lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, we do have a culture that is obsessed, really, with, like, reducing people to stereotypes. Yeah. And so to watch this movie was, uh, as a white person, like, I never want to be the person in the movie that they're pointing out, like, is the joke of the satire. Yeah. But also, I want to <laughs> listen and learn and grow to make sure I don't right. make, you know, any dumb choices. But, yeah, this those characters, they portrayed them and wrote them very very well all the book publishing people that just thought they knew better than anyone else what the public wants and needs it's it's wild i mean it's interesting too like working for the film festival and we're choosing a bunch of films like and it's great that i've heard this said over with the programming folks it's like you're always looking for And I'm using the same words they use in the movie too a diverse audience and uh you know representative but honestly you want to, the representation, and I like the way they talk about it in here, goes beyond just you have film about people of color. You have film about people of color doing everything. Like, right. it's not just about slavery. It's not just about drug issues or whatever, which is in the in the movie they say, like, everything is about pimps or street life. Yeah. And it can't be about anything else. Um, so it's interesting to hear them kind of lampoon that a bit there are some great lines like that in the movie and then also um i think i read a fun fact that this was the only movie nominated for an oscar where they actually have something about um being oscar worthy in the dialogue (laughs) i forgot what the exact um they talk about i was actually just going to bring that up because i thought it was so funny they talk about 
a movie that a movie version of a book that he wrote. He goes, oh, it's the perfect Oscar baity thing. That, oh yeah, that yeah. These, these these white jurors want to have, mm-hmm. and I just think it's so funny that it ends up actually being an Oscar nominee. But it's great because it's like you're undermining the exact system that you're participating in in a good way. It's it was really really impressive satire. I thought because one because I don't like. There's a great scene between him and Issa Rae, who he finally meets. They're both authors. They're both on a jury working together. And she doesn't know that he's the author of a book that they're currently discussing. Because yeah. he's anonymous for this one. Yeah, he's using a, a fake author name for this other yeah. book. And they have a great little debate about how you're representing your people in each other's book. Mm-hmm. And... Both had really valid arguments, which I think was the point of this movie overall, because you see it through little bits of it throughout. Like they're both valid. It's just the way that audiences react to them is maybe misguided. Yeah, that was such a clever scene. I also liked the um, fake literary awards that they award show that they had. Oh, yeah. Um, That was done really well and also like made me feel super uncomfortable um, in a good way, but I found out that the books, including the one that um, Jeffrey Wright's character Monk was writing, yeah. um, that was kind of supposed to be a joke, was nominated. All the other books were names of bands that um, Cord Jefferson and his co-writer knew of when they were in junior high school. <laughs> And so now I want to go back and like yeah. find out what the other nominees are. So they're real bands that they were into when they were in. Yeah. Or maybe like high school, junior high bands of their friends that they incorporated into this story. Which I, that's funny you say that because there was a couple of titles they said or I saw on the board that I was like, that sounds familiar. Do I Like I thought it was a book that maybe I just wasn't familiar with. That's yeah. really funny. Now I got to go back and look and see if I know <laughs> any of those bands. I know. I like little Easter eggs like that. So, um, Leslie Uggams? Yes. Dude, when I saw her name pop up too, like Leslie Uggams, like a like a royalty of Broadway shows, right? Um, yeah. She was in Roots, nominated for a, a bunch of awards back in the 70s. She's done a ton. She was uh, had a gigs at Apollo Theater back in the day. It was just neat to see her, and she was... Also, I, I think in Deadpool. I was just, that's why I just put my hand on my face because I looked up her filmography and the first two are Deadpool, Deadpool 2. Yeah. And I absolutely remember, she's Deadpool's roommate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> she's so good. amazing. What a career. She's also in the movie Nanny, which was just at the Oriental Theater for uh, Black History Month. Go Leslie Uggams. That is so funny. Now, I did not, I know the name and when I saw her, I knew her, but I did not recognize her as the Deadpool uh, roommate, which is really funny, but I didn't realize what her whole career was. Though that's great to know. Yeah, it's from Roots to Deadpool. That is what, <laughs> the Leslie Uggam that's her, story. That's her biography, I think. Yeah, yeah. from Roots to Deadpool. Um, and then I was such a big fan of the show Living Single in the nineties. So anytime that Maxine shows up, I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, but Erica just, Alexander. She's always going to be Max to me, the re- sassy neighbor, <laughs> and that's fine. It was a great cast: Sterling K. Brown who's also nominated for an Oscar for mm. his performance. He was really good. Um, the and brother. Then, as we mentioned, uh, Jeffrey Wright is also nominated, and the movie is, so it's got some really good things. And like I think I want to mention, too, when I was saying in the beginning about my connect, I feel like it's connected to holdovers, 
I had the exact same kind of feeling watching this movie that I did with Holdovers, where you have a main character who's like struggling and he's kind of a, he pushes people away a bit, you know. And there's a family drama going on, and in this one, and in Holdovers, it's more like the collected family that he yeah. has. And then there's a spoof of the educa- private education system, as as there is with the publishing industry in American fiction. They both had incredible humor. They both had tragedy and tears. So it was like, and the main character, you really, you see him making mistakes, but you're you're pulling for him at yeah, the same time. Yeah, yeah. I just, I feel like I had those same swells that I had when I watched The Holdovers, and I thought, what a good pairing of films they are. Nice. Now that you say that, I am also feeling the same thing, so thank you for... Um, <laughs> completing why I loved this movie so much but wasn't quite sure other than the obvious great acting and yeah. the great writing. And these are the two, Paul Giamatti and Jeffrey Wright, are the two that I want to win the Oscar more than anything. Oh, I'm worried it's going to be Cillian Murphy mm. or Killian Murphy. I forgot how you say his name. But I'm sure he deserves it as well. But I want one of those two to win. I think Paul Giamatti's, I think, odds-on favorite. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Las Vegas, for creating those odds every year. For me to look at. <laughs> Is that where you get them from? Sometimes, sometimes you hear chatter, but I always go to I go to Vegas. Number one, <laughs> that's where they know all about odds. That's right. Yay! So, and you said that this movie is still in some theaters. It's if- still in theaters. It's uh, playing at the Oriental Theater still, but probably just for the rest of this week. Okay. So, get out there and check it out right away. Sounds good. Oh, do you feel comfortable moving on to our? Segment, what else are you watching? I'm always comfortable with that. Yay. I can go first if you would like. We, I'm going to start with a movie that I watched that I've been talking about forever watching. The Marvels. Did we talk about that yet? A little bit. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about it. You have. I think I have, but I don't think you had seen it yet. Yeah. So basically, there's, if I just saw it and I've wanted to see it this whole time, there's probably a lot of other people that haven't yet. Um, Christopher, when you brought it up, you did not think that the movie deserved all the, like, there was some negative press around it. Because it didn't do as well at the box office they expected. And they labeled that one the big failure, even though others failed bigger and they for conspicuous reasons. Yeah. yeah, but the Marvels to me I thought was excellent. Now I watched WandaVision and I watched um oh gosh, what are the other Marvel movies? Um Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Um so I watched all the movies that kind of established who these three main characters were yeah. in the movie, so maybe that helped a little bit and I wasn't so lost and I already knew what the personalities of like Kamala was going to be right, right. and just how the humor fits in, but I loved it so much that I want everybody to go watch it. And if you don't have time to watch those other, the Ms. Marvel TV series or WandaVision first. I think you'll still be fine. You'll still be fine. Yeah. But man, if you've watched those shows and you liked them and haven't watched this movie yet, go watch it now. Yeah. Ms. Marvel is very fun mm-hmm. and real sweet move, sweet uh, show. And then the Captain Marvel movies aren't my favorites, but they're perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Like they're good. Um, I mean, she is the most powerful superhero in the whole universe, so they really should be more respected. Yeah, no, it, it is odd she's... that <laughs> it, it's because she's so powerful. They're like, "Well, you're wasted on Earth. Just go save the rest of the universe." Right, Carol um, Danvers, you overachiever. You saw... <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm glad you saw. It. When I was watching, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this mm-hmm. is for Dory. Dory will love this." But it's funny too. It's mm-hmm. funny. It's great. Great action scenes. There's there was no call for it to be 
slammed as hard as it was. Yeah, the action scenes were wonderful. Now, this new Madam Web show mm-hmm. uh, movie is being slammed quite hard, too. But I am i haven't seen it yet, but I'm on board ahead of time. I will see it, and I'm happily to take it back if I, am, if I feel like they're also being unfair to it. I hardly ever really take anyone's opinions, including like if I was just a listener of Cinnabuds yeah. <laughs> as like a gospel. Everyone has different tastes. Everyone, That's true. you don't know like what you need out of a piece of film or art until you're watching it. So That's true. it could just not be for me, yeah. but I will see it because I'm a completist when it comes to these uh, superhero movies. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I just feel like I need to see all of them. What else have you been watching this week? Good, uh, not, nothing superhero-y, unfortunately. That's okay. Um, but I re- <laughs> I don't want to say I rewatched The Holdovers. I've talked about this movie so oh, much. Oh, that's obsessed. how much you loved it. You watched it again. But I really did watch it over again. Um, but we don't have to talk Anything about Anything new jump out watching it again? Um, no, I think it's just, I was, a lot of it was like revisiting and waiting for my favorite lines. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I got just as emotional <laughs> for the second time around, which is a good sign. Um, but I also saw a short film that was Oscar nominated in like the 60s called An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, which Ooh. I don't know if you were a high school student. When I was, we read that story by Ambrose Bierce in high school and dissected it about a man who's going to be hanged by the military for one reason or another mm. and then seems to escape and it's, you see his old escape. It's very meta. And they made a very uh, interesting, a really good short film of it. But it was featured in an, as an episode of The Twilight Zone. Ooh. So filmmaker The original made, back in the. Yeah. The original Rod Serling black and white Twilight Zone. So it was a short film so they could make it an episode. So it was kind of odd because it feels like it was directed by somebody outside of that system and then just said, hey, we'll just make it a Twilight Zone episode. It's so it's weird. It could similar be. And, uh, similar enough. But it was really nice. It was all, it was almost a little experimental. Mm. How'd you find it? Um, my wife was watching, uh, just had the Twilight Zone on and just let it play and she fell asleep. But then I heard <laughs> Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge and remembered reading it in high school. <laughs> That's magical. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'll check it out. Oh, naps. I liked it. See what great things can come out of naps, not just for you, but the people that no, live with you. When they just abandon the remote and let whatever's going to happen, that the chaos of the universe take over. Nice. All right. I'm going to watch that next time I'm yeah, in the mood for Twilight Zone vibes. <laughs> yeah. Also, generally, just recommend the old Twilight Zone episodes. Some of them are a little boring, I'll be honest with you. But I think it's just because we're used to a different pace now. Right. But there's obviously plenty that are just so weird and wonderful well all their sci-fi predictions like how much of that technology is actually here now (laughs) being used for terrible twilight zony things yes all right well thanks for listening to the podcast this week yeah we'd like to thank our producer kim shine yes we would and we'd like to thank newski for our wonderful theme song also associated bank thank you so much for your financial support of cinnabuds yes that you are wonderful and we would not and could not do this without our members, both from Radio Milwaukee and from Milwaukee Film. We love you very much. Indeed we do. If you get a chance, go out and see a movie in the theater. Please. Old school style. Please. Bye-bye. <laughs> <See ya. laughs>